Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And we return again to the prayer, the great prayer that Jesus taught us when asked, how do you pray? And this was his response. And we are looking at the request. You'll find it in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6 and verse 10, where he says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's addressing the Father, our Father who is in heaven. And then he says, Hallowed be your name. And that is the, the fullest act of worship and revelation of the Father in earth. And then he says, your kingdom come, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I, <laughs> your will be done. Over the decades that I have been uh, among believers, this expression is usually given with a sigh, it's, it's given with a great sense of resignation. That, that's probably the tone. Whenever I've heard this used by believers, the tone is resignation. You know, you go into a desperate situation. You stand in hospital uh, waiting rooms and you hear people say, well, the will of God be done. I mean, it's, it's come to that. We, we, we've come to the, the bottom of the barrel, the will of God be done. We, we give up. Interesting. You see, these, these words are not to be understood as an expression of religious anxiety, that, that now we, we are going to enter into this desperate time, time probably of pain and upsetting of everything we ever wanted, the will of God be done. You see, this comes from the fact that legalism, the, the, the person who doesn't know the grace of God in experience, they, they know nothing, and hear me carefully here, they know nothing of union with Christ. And that, that is the foundation of the New Testament. It, it is almost an expression that could sum up the New Covenant in Christ, Christ in you. If you have a weekend, go through your whole New Testament just underlining those two phrases, and then you could throw in for good measure, um, Christ in you, the hope of glory, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and so on. Union, union, uh, the absence of separation. This is, this is salvation. This is the gospel. We're not speaking of some expression of, of an elite company of people, those who I do deeper life. No, this is your basic, basic gospel that we have been placed into Christ. 
We, we dwell in the midst of him. He, he embraces us and carries us within himself. And, and at the same time, we speak of that same Christ in us, in the midst of us, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our joys and our sorrows, our work and our play. We live in functioning union with Christ. Really and truly, you have to understand this. In a day where believers have, what can I call it, separation thinking. Whenever they think of God, he is a separate. He, he's, he's not here. He's up. He's beyond. He's remote. He's distant. That, that's their thinking. And, and sometimes what they say is not quite so dramatic as that, but uh, that, that's what comes out in the, their conversation eventually, that, that God is not here. And, and should anything slightly unusual happen, they might say he showed up. Okay. So this God, uh, the legalist, he, he's always seen as other. Understand the, what I'm saying here. The, the legalist sees God separate and totally other, I mean disconnected from the world in which we live. He's the great beyond, beyond us, beyond our miserable little lives, beyond our silly little joys. He's beyond all of that. He's beyond. He's remote. Therefore, and there's a logical conclusion, therefore his will, this, this iron-clad will of this remote God, the will must follow who we perceive him to be. His will must be odd, you know, quite other than anything that we would have thought of. The will of God, it's got to be different couldn't be just in the flow of normal history as you get up in the morning and go to work and no it couldn't be it couldn't be that the will of god that's why why people god bless them especially in bible schools oh they spend so much time i remember when i was in bible school half the jolly time there was spent in seeking the will of god terrified lest we should miss its weirdness and its oddness. It was always a destination. God was going to send you somewhere. And, and, and then as the decades rolled on, because it used to be he would send you to some malarial swamp in Africa. But, but that, as time has gone on, now if I go and lecture in Bible schools, they all believe he's got a mega church just around the corner that's going to make them pastor. All these destinations being the, the secret orders of an alien mind, the will of God who comes up with something you never thought of, never dreamt of. Do not know what it could possibly be, and probably I don't want it. Uh, have you noticed that when legalism prays this prayer, and many times the legalist will interject it into the middle of prayer, you know, if it be your will, and, and having said what is wanted, then sort of cross it all out by saying, but your will be done, as if I don't know why I really said this. Just get on and do whatever you will. 
No, you see, when, when legalism prays this prayer, it assumes, think about this carefully, it assumes that the will of God is going to kill all of my desires. The will of God couldn't possibly be my desires. The will of God is, as I say it again, it's other, it's weird, it's odd. I, I'd never think of it. it, it it's, it, it kills joy. You can never think of the will of God being joy. The will of God, it's accepting pain. The will of God, it's losing everything you've got. The will of God has nothing to do with your creativity because could you, you couldn't be trusted with that. No, the will of God, in fact, kills your creativity. And then this other thing where you're dragging through molasses, if it be your will. That is, you know, I, I, this is what I want. This, this would be what I, But then I know you're not interested in that. So just to make sure I'm still a Christian by saying amen, I say, if it be your will, cancel the whole lot. So in prayer then, prayer becomes a denying of our wills. It becomes a denying of what we want and what we desire in Christ. You see, that's the point. I'm speaking to believers now. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. You are in union with the God-man, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. But here when people say this, we're denying that will where I'm at one with Christ. We are, we are denying the desires that arise out of our heart in union with Christ. In fact, these dear people see the will of God as the ultimate desire-crushing plan. And as I said just a moment ago, usually the idea of the will of God is, is I'm going to get hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be deprivation. Uh, it's going to be depriving of spirit. I'm going to enter into a time of intense spiritual darkness and I won't know where I'm at. As the will of God be done. And in my mind, I, I, I can't, I daren't. Uh, think, I, I, I dance, celebrate my, my ability to imagine, oh no, no, the will of God be done, stop that nonsense. And emotions, you'll probably know hurt and sadness and despair, that's how it goes. And body, oh, you can be sure you're going to get sick if the will of God be done. You know, the, the uh, part of the church that looks at the medieval persons as saints, I won't even go into what they believe about that. But, but the saints are held up as icons. And have you noticed, if you studied the lives of the saints, they, they were all terribly sick. Um, TB was rampant. Cancer was part of it, you see. And, and early death and pictures of them in pale, sunken faces as they're dying in bed. Oh, this is the will of God. You see, the, the, these people really got a hold on the will of God. Pain and hurt. And I have taken time to say this because what would be the use of plunging into this if we, we were all messed up in our minds as to this will of God. It, it's interesting. 
think about it now. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize there's no if there? No if. We're not praying something and then canceling it out by saying, if it be your will. No, there's no if there. Can I say that again? There's no if there concerning the will of God, but rather a very specific request that assumes we know the will of God. And we are asking with holy enthusiasm that that will be done in this earth, and it's in the present tense, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. That's interesting. Now look at these words. Your will be done. What what do they really mean? I, I think they mean pretty well what they mean in English, but just let me run it out. Your will. Maybe that's a word we would do good sometimes to change it to other possibilities of its translation. Even in English, other possibilities. Um, Your purpose. Uh, Somehow your will, it's, it's loaded with the baggage of centuries past when Christians wallowed in all the nonsense I've been talking about in the last 20 minutes. So maybe for some people it would be easier to start off with a sort of new word here, purpose. Your purpose. Or another one I like, your intention. What is it that God God intends? What does he want in this situation, which would be another good word, want. Your wants, uh, your desires, God's wants. What does God desire for this moment? And this word that we're looking at can actually be translated as pleasure. The pleasure of God. What would be God's pleasure in this moment, in in my life, in your life, in this situation that we find ourselves in? What what would be the pleasure? And then, of course, never forget, you see, who, who is the God we're talking about? He is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who this one God is love, love, unbegun love, perfection of love, unbounded love. What is the purpose of this personal love of the Father revealed in the Son and applied by the Holy Spirit? What is His intention? What's love's intention? in this moment of time. What is love's delight? What is love's desire? See, that all, all I've just been expanding on your will. And do you see what I mean? Will comes to us in, in this two, uh, 2014. It, it, it comes with, with a lot of baggage. There's a lot of soberness about it. There's a lot of frowning about it, your will. But now we're suddenly, it's freeing up. We're realizing this is the will of love. This is love's purpose, love's intention, love's pleasure. Your will be done. Now, yes, that's uh, the word in the original language means to be. 
It is. Be done. It's done. It is. Uh, and your will be done could be translated come to be or come into existence or begin here and now to be. So if we pull this sentence out a bit, it is saying that that which is the desire, the purpose, the intention of the God who is love, may it now come into concrete historical existence in this earth where I live. The, the word done is used all through the scripture and it's used in many, 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 many different ways. Just to give you an idea of how the word is used, which means we can see something of the nature of this word. It is used, especially in the New Testament, to describe creation. Creation is the mind of God, the imagination of God, being spoken into concrete, material, physical existence. And it, this is the word that they use to describe that. Something comes into being, out from the invisible mind and purpose and intent of God there comes into being, into existence. So it's used of creation. It's used to describe a miracle, miracles of healing, that they are, again, out of the love, compassionate heart and mind of God through the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, healing, the mending of the human, the changing of physical, material situation comes into being. It is done, and the physical, material history of a human being is radically changed to be completely other than it was. It's also used on a much more homey level. It's describing a meal that has been cooked and now set before you. The meal is done. The meal, you see, existed in the mind of the chef, and then from his or her mind, the meal came into being, and having been done, cooked, it's now placed in front of you for your enjoyment. So that's how the word was used. Your will be done. Your will call into existence that which exists in your love mind. What your love desires and intends for this situation, your will be done. May, may it come into being. May it take on concrete, visible shape. May, may your, your laws that are above our understanding, but they're laws of love, that can step into the twisted, distorted, pain-filled lives of people and change it. We call it miracle. We call it an expression of power. 
may it be done. May, may your will be done, set before us to eat of your pleasure. You see, that this is some request when you begin to look at it. Oh, by the way, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what does that assume? It assumes, think about it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, uh, the assumption of that request is that presently, right now, in life as we're coming into it, life as we now see it, the assumption of this request is the will of God is not being done. Oh, dear. That, that means that in this present moment, the way things are is not necessarily God's will. That's interesting, because I've heard so many persons just accept anything that rolls down the freeway toward them and just says, the will of God be done. Here it is. That's not Christianity, my friend. That's fatalism. That's a pagan interpretation of life. No, this prayer tells me, and this is this is, is mind-blowing. This tells me I walk into life, I assess the situation, and I say, in this place, in this person, at this time, the will of God is not being done. But it's been given to me as a person in Christ. A person in whom Christ dwells is being given to me to say, Father, let your will be done in this situation and for this person as it now is in heaven. It's marvelous. That means then things do not have to be the way they are. Just to pray this, just at the simplest level, we are not accepting the way things are. We are asking for a massive change. We're asking that the will, the pleasure, the delight of God, as it is known, as it is demonstrated in the heavens, shall now be done, shall now come into physical existence here on earth in your life and my life. This is getting exciting. So the will of God, your will be done. It is not submission to the great unknown. Because, you know, that's how, again, most people look at it. We don't know the will of God. Well, we could never know the will of God. The will of God belongs to that odd, weird, other God who doesn't live in our world, doesn't even think like us, doesn't have our thoughts. And so forget it. It's unknown. I don't know what the will of God is. I just submit to it. Your will be done, whatever it is. No, this is praying concerning the will of God with enthusiasm. Holy, your will be done. There's no resignation here. There's no submission. This, well, submission, I suppose, but submission with enthusiasm. The will of God. And, and, and it's not just, well, let it be, do what you will. No, there's an imperative here. Your will be done. 
And I say again, we know this will. We know this will because we live inside of Jesus and Jesus lives inside of us. We, we live in the midst of the Holy Trinity. So therefore, we have access to the very mind of God, the thoughts of God. Yes, I, I know that's shocking, isn't it? But that's the gospel. That's why it's called good news, incredibly good news. We have access to the mind. We, it's not sealed orders. We know what the mind of God is. We, it says so, doesn't it, Corinthians? We have the mind of Christ. And then, as I've already quoted, I live, yet not I. It is Christ who lives in me. If he lives in me, that encompasses my desires and my mind. We're sharing together, you say. He in me and I in him. Let me quickly look at this. From, from before the beginning, before there was creation, the, the will of God, the pleasure of God, was, and I'm summing up ours here, but it was that all things, this entire creation, it, it's the reason of creation, the goal of creation, the working out day by day and hour by hour, creation, all of it should be summed up in Jesus Christ. That in everything he should have the preeminence. And, and that's, oh, on the one end, in nations, every knee should bow, every tongue confess, He is Lord, all the way through to your children playing with mosquitoes in the driveway where He plays with them. Oh, in all things, He has the preeminence. And we were created, the pinnacle of creation, in order to know this one, this Jesus, who is the will of God. That was the destiny, shall I say, the outworking of the relationship that Adam was created for. That was the meaning of the Garden of Eden, that we humans would actually participate in God the Son, the one we now know as Lord Jesus Christ. That... that we should dance in life in the purpose, the destiny of relationship through Jesus. And that is holistic, which is something else I should reference, so I've referenced it before. This idea, you see, separation. Satan has brought the word and experience and thinking of separation into everything, especially here, especially here in the West because we developed our brains hand in hand with Satan. Um, so uh, we're here in the West, you, you have uh, a medical doctor and he prods your body and looks at it like a piece of meat hanging in a medical freezer. And, and he does, a, I mean, he only asks you questions about this piece of meat, he never even there's no concern that you are made in the image of God and you as a living, vibrant human being live in this 
piece of meat this right no that, that's I forget that you're just a piece of meat hanging in the freezer and we've got to find out why it's not functioning uh, and then if if anything is wrong with your brain off you go and, and you sit in another chap's office who who doesn't recognize that you are made in the image of god and that there are the very flowings of divine grace no you're you're just a bunch of neuron chemicals he doesn't even really bother with your body that's the the other chap's thing in the freezer no and then of course you go to church and you hear the gospel but the fellow in the pulpit almost does not assume you have a body he just talks about your soul getting saved as if a bunch of ghosts will float to the front of the auditorium and say these words after him and therefore I don't know how this relates to going to work I don't know how this relates to my lunch tomorrow because we've divided we've separated No, you see, when God created, he created and always speaks to you holistically. Spirit, mind, emotion, imagination, body, possessions, work. It's you. Salvation isn't to that little bit of you called spirit. It's to you, the totality. And so mankind was created to live holistically inside of God and experience God inside of him all through Jesus the Son. And to do that within the geography of earth for this same Jesus created the earth and the flowers and the trees and everything else we work with in work. And to do that in the here and now of time. There was no separation between heaven and earth. They interfaced and interlocked. That's what we were created for. That, that's what it's all about. And then into that garden came an alien lie. Satan came with the lie and Jesus gave Satan's resume and said he is the thief and he comes to steal and he comes to destroy and he comes to kill and he went into the garden of Eden and with the laser words of his lie he stole away that incredible inheritance that mankind was made for He destroyed man's hope of life. In fact, he killed him. And man became one who was dead while he lived. And man turned inward. And now, instead of turning upward and outward into Holy Trinity, who is self for others' love, Mankind turned inward to behold himself and to lust for himself and to see himself as the meaning of creation and the center of all that was life. And so he dreamed of ways to exalt himself. His desires were satellites around himself. And so... 
Man didn't dream of himself in relation to God anymore. His true creativity, which sprung from God the Creator, that was killed. Joy disappeared, replaced by that hideous thing called happiness, which is based on the word hap, which means fate, luck, chance. If the fates are treating you good, you're happy. If they're not, you wish you would unhap. Oh, dear. That was the substitute for God's joy. And in came fear, and in came anxiety, and in came weakness, and in came timidity, in came despair and depression. That's the will of Satan being done in the darkness of earth. But above all, the great lie, distorted, twisted, destroyed, in the minds of human beings, destroyed the character of God. He is not love. Rather, Satan encouraged mankind to project outward what he thinks, his self for self, what does he think God should be like. And so God became the great power hungry, became the great judge. God became the destroyer and the killer and the crusher. God became the one that would take away the joy and so on and so on. That's the way it was. Was, that's the way it is. And into that world, under the control of the lie, comes Jesus, who is God joining us. And he, God in our humanity, sharing life in the darkness, Jesus slammed into the will of that darkness. You can see God himself stamping his foot and saying, it shall not be so. It cannot, it will not be so. The will of God, the will of the Father shall be done here. God has come from God and joined us in the darkness to refuse to let the will of Satan rule. And Jesus, the God-man, prays this prayer. For he told us this when they asked him, teach us to pray as we're seeing you pray. And here it is, almost you could say the center of peace of this prayer. In fact, I'll go beyond. Jesus is this request. He is it. He doesn't merely pray it. He is doing it. He is being it. Did he not say that he only did the things that pleased his father? That's an interesting thing. Well, in this relationship of love, you don't really talk too much about doing the will of God. Rather, it's moved over to pleasing the one who loves me. Same thing, but what a difference. Again, Jesus said he only did the will of him who sent him. He, he said on more than one occasion, everything he said and did was in harmony with the mind 
of the Father. Jesus defined his mission. You can read it in Luke 4 where he quotes from Isaiah. His mission well, it was to set people free that had been held captive, to, to bring joy and gladness to those who lived in sadness, to bring healing, the opening of the blind, and so on. Matthew 12, he defines his mission as binding the satanic lords and principalities and, and having bound them, then spoiling their goods or releasing their captives. Jesus came to release humans from the clutch of Satan. Or as he said in John 8, 44, to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. You've been hanging around him to such an extent that you know what he wants and you do it and you say it. He said, I have been in my father and the father in me and I am doing what the father wills. To Nathaniel in John, what is it, John chapter 1, at the end of John chapter 1, where he describes himself as Jacob's ladder, where heaven has free intercourse with earth and earth with heaven. Heaven and earth have come back together in Jesus. And when Jesus did this will of the Father, there was joy. There was peace even in the midst of sad situations. There was joy and peace. In fact, there are two words consistently used in the Gospels that when Jesus said what he said and did what he did, that is brought God's heaven will to earth, it says the people were astonished. Boy, that's a massive word. It means the people were speechless. They were stuttering. Another word, amaze. These two words, they, they, they mean much the same thing. The idea of a person paralyzed with, with, I've never seen the like of this before. I've never known love like this before. I've never seen this before. I don't know what to say. I've got no file for this. Huh. In fact, the words mean to stand outside of oneself. That is, we, we use the expression, I'm beside myself. I... Don't know what to say. Don't know what I I I I I I'm a speechless. That's the will of God. <laughs> oh boy, have we come a long way. That now the will of God is the exact In fact, have you noticed that what these old legalists say sounds awfully much like Satan's agenda, doesn't it? Interesting. Yeah, Satan came to destroy your health. Jesus came to heal you. Satan came to confuse you and lead you down paths of futility. Jesus says, I am the truth, I am the light, and I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Interesting. And it's more than that. Jesus, I suppose I need an hour on this, which you're not going to get, I'm afraid, but Jesus is the prototype of a new kind of human being. Human beings who shall spring out from him. As we believe upon Jesus, as we rest into him, as we begin a journey lived in him and he in us, he was the prototype of that kind of human being. Yeah, that's what we mean. See, Jesus lives in us. Jesus continues his 
life in us. We become a new kind of human who are inside of God and God inside of us. So Jesus is praying this prayer, shares it with us so that we, we, we are learning how to be that new kind of human. And of course, Jesus, having fulfilled his mission in what we call the Gospels, he then goes into death. He chooses. He deliberately, intentionally went into death. And in death, took on Satan himself and stripped Satan of his authority over the human race. And then in his resurrection, he leaves behind him death forever. And he carries us out of death with him. And he sits down inside the Holy Trinity. Only he's carried us with him. We sit in him. He sits in us. Now that's it. I mean, whatever he did in the Gospels has now gone to infinite extremes. I mean, he healed the sick. Now he's destroyed the very guts of sickness, which is death itself. He stripped Satan of authority. He has, in fact, reunited in himself heaven and earth. And we are in him. And he is in us. And he tells us, now now you go, pray this prayer and go do it. Huh. What a thought. I, I, the will of God now. I'm trying to think of a way to say the boundaries. You know, I, I know I'm talking a little bit like the legalist now that the will of God is this or this. No. See, the will of God, the boundaries of the will of God is who Jesus is in this situation. All that Jesus has accomplished through resurrection and ascension, everything that now Jesus says is mine, sealed, purchased, marked with the blood of Jesus. Well, there, that's... And, and when it... What did Jesus say? All authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. So therefore go to all the nations. So he includes all peoples and all nations and all cultures and all ways of doing things. It's all his. All peoples, all ages, all situations. Go into the darkness of this world and proclaim the goodest news you've ever heard that the will of God confirmed, done, and brought here by Jesus shall be done in this place, on these streets, in these people. What a thought. What a thought. But he includes us in that big time. Oh, yes. I suppose, really, we should take another hour on this. We might do it. Uh, we are included in the specific application of that incredibly broad will. And he calls our creativity, our what do you think? How shall we take this vast will that encompasses all situations and all peoples, how shall we take that 
and apply it here. Number 67 Broad Street. How shall we do it here? Jesus, in all the magnificence of his person, how shall he be made known and manifested in this place? And I say this very carefully. The Father looks at you who are in Christ and Christ in you, and he says, what do you think? How shall we do it here? You're included. Oh, but you see, I, I thought the will of God was a destination. I thought the will of God was that I should go here or go there or get this job or that job. Or No, the will of God is a relationship in which we function inside of God because Jesus is inside of us. The will of God is that he has elevated our desires to be in accord with his and his in accord with ours. Look, let's put it this way very quickly, very quickly. There's so many. I've got a list here. Look, Caleb. Remember old Caleb? He was one of the spies that went into Canaan. Really, he was the only one to begin with who understood that the Lord who had given them Canaan would be the strength and the power wherewith to do it. And as he's a spy, he sees this particular area, Hebron, and he sees the specific kind of giants there. And he says, you know, the view here is unparalleled. He said, I just love this place. And when we come back here to take it, I would like to live here. And he goes back to Moses and he presents the request. He said, uh, the will of God, you see, is I'm giving to you the land of Canaan. Caleb said, I think I would like this part of Canaan for me and my family. Moses says, the Lord says, you shall have it. Interesting. Caleb expressed his desires, and the Lord said through Moses, that's okay with me. And 45 years later, old Caleb, on his 85th birthday, arrives at that place and goes to Joshua and says, do you remember 45 years ago when the Lord gave me this piece of property? Because I, I said I'd like it. And he said, I'd like to now go and take it. 85, he said, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. He said, and Joshua said, off you go. He did. Now this is something I, I think many people miss. Whose idea was it to build the temple move out of the tabernacle and build that gorgeous temple in Jerusalem. You say it was the Lord, the Lord. No, Solomon, when he was built, uh, praying the dedication to the temple, made a big point. And he informs us, he says, that God said the temple was not really his, not really God's idea. The Lord said, it was the idea of my servant David, and I thought it was a jolly good idea, as a paraphrase. But isn't that interesting? 
I, I mean, D David didn't come all submissive like a puppy dog and say, I've got an idea, I'd like a table, if it be your will, if it be your will. No, David said, this is what I'm presenting to God. I think, I think it's time that we move the Lord out of an old tent and put him in a building. And the Lord said, so be it. The story of Elijah, you know, according to my word, there'll be no rain for... And then uh, call in the rain from heaven. What's that about? How can a man just walk along and say no more rain? Well, you see, that's all in Deuteronomy 28, which Elijah knew very well. And he, he decided that the situation in Israel at that time fitted Deuteronomy 28. So he said, according to my word, that's the way it's going to be. Only after that, it says the Lord did it, and then Elijah did What was going on? You, what you're seeing, and that's Old Testament. This union of God and man together. Jesus said, this is what I'm called to do, as I've already said in Luke chapter 4. But then he went to do it. But he doesn't stop at every person and say, Father, if it be your will, would it see fit to you that maybe perhaps is it possible it could be that you would heal this person? No, he just goes and he heals them because it fell within that broad plan. And Jesus now goes to implement that just as life opens up in front of him to the point where he said to Bartimaeus, Remember the blind chap who, who shouted out in Jericho and Jesus stopped the whole parade and called him? And the man, blind beggar, stands in front of him with sightless eyes and Jesus says, what, what, what do you want? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. If it was today, Bartimaeus would be so confused in legalistic theology, he wouldn't know whether to ask to be healed of blindness or a bunion on his toe. He said that I might receive my sight. That's my desire. That's what I wanted. Jesus says, you have it. Read again the feeding of the 5,000. Read again the story of the storm on the lake, and you will see that Jesus, in the first place, called on their initiative. What are you going to do? And only when they they proved they hadn't got it yet. He said, then I'll take over. And he fed with the five loaves and two fishes, which they, the disciples, had found. And they got the right tool, but they didn't know what to do with it. But Jesus is coaching them. Come on, what do you want to do here? What shall we do? The storm on the lake. Do you remember when they shook him and woke him? And he stands and he rebukes the wind and the wave. But then he turns and he says, why did you wake me? Wow, those questions. They, that's what should be taught in Bible schools and seminaries. Why did Jesus say, what's the matter? Where's your faith? What's the matter with you guys? You didn't have to wake me. That's what he's saying. You, there was a storm. You're sinking. What do you think the Father's will is? To drown you? You could have done what I did. Hmm. The, the strangest story in the gospel is, is when Peter, you remember Jesus walking on the water, showing mankind's dominion over creation. 
uh, and Jesus walks on the water. Peter leans over the side of the boat and he says, if that's you, I, see, that's a big one. If that's you, Jesus was teaching these fellows that what he did, they could do. That's a teaching. Jesus taught the 12 disciples all through the Gospels. They're, they're not just hangers-on. They, they are disciples, learning ones. And they're, they're getting it. What he does, they can do, and he's teaching. And Peter leans over and says, if it's you, say, if you're a ghost, forget it. But if it's you, you would want me to join you, I'm sure. So if it be you, call me to come and join you. And Jesus says, oh, sure, come. And Peter gets out the boat and walks on the water. That was Peter's idea. That was Peter's desire. That was Peter putting two and two together and coming up with the divine four. Yeah. It's the will of God that I exercise dominion. And then preaching the gospel, Paul and Silas, they did not sit in Antioch and pray, oh God, what is your will? What's your will? You've got to, we're seeking the will of God. No, Paul came down one morning over coffee and said, look, it's in my heart. I've got this nagging feeling. Let's go and visit the brothers in the churches we founded a time ago. So Silas said, what a jolly good idea. And up they go and off they go. We call it in those ponderous words, a second missionary journey of Paul. They just got it in their heart to go. Uh, and there was no seeking, oh God, which city do we go to? They, they went the obvious one, follow the map. They just followed the freeway. And, and, and they're going to Ephesus, most normal thing to do. Only this time, the Holy Spirit, and remember, we're, we're so one, the Holy Spirit can put his words inside our desires. The Holy Spirit put a red light. No, not Ephesus. Not yet. Not yet. But he doesn't tell them where to go. Why? Because God's will is what's in front of you. They just simply turned around and went off in the other direction. Bithynia. And again, the red light said, no, now, now it's getting confusing. And so there's only one road left. It leads down to the coast to Troas. And that's when the Lord showed up in a dream under the guise of a man of Greece, Macedonia, saying, come over and help us. And Paul leaps out of bed the next morning and said, I've got it, off we go. What I'm trying to point out, there was no obsession with this unknown will. The will of God was within them. They went here, they went there to share this news of the will of God, the purpose, the intention, the pleasure of God is among us. Only when it's to go somewhere where they never would have thought to go, to Macedonia. That was, an, that was another continent. That was coming into Europe. They'd never thought of that. So the Holy Spirit had to stop, stop, go. Oh, this is... <laughs> so when you pray, you apply this to yourself, obviously. The will of God be done in my life. This glorious will that has been accomplished in Jesus be applied, implemented in my life. 
a person in my relationships and that's when you're praying over those matters you're coming from this posture not as a whining beggar but as someone who knows the will of God revealed in Jesus and we're now out from him out from his name his person we we are saying so be it this is to, extends into family a, a family tearing each other's throat uh, that's not the will of God no we, we know you see you know what the will of God is pray in your work your school in your church the will of God is that everybody be filled with the Holy Spirit the, the will of God is that your coming together be the very embassy of heaven in the midst of earth and pray it and the people that just pop up in our path you know who do I speak to who do, well who, who do you happen to be thrown in the bundle of life together with and how do you look at these people that's it you say you look at these people and you see them as the will, the pleasure, the intention of God in Jesus Christ sees them. This person, this person was included into Christ. This person was in the embrace of Jesus in his death and resurrection. This person is marked with the blood of Jesus. Satan has no authority here. That's how you pray. Not from a whining beggar said, oh God, please save him. Please save him as if God really doesn't want to, but if you scream long enough, he's going to hear you. No, 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 no. We pray boldly. No timidity here. No, no, maybe, perhaps. No, if it, no. And we're not distracted by the terrors of the circumstances and it's too big, this is too, No. We are those who are so related to the Holy Trinity in Jesus Christ, we pray straight up into God, not with half an eye on the impossibility of the circumstance. Nor do we pray to see if it's going to happen. You know, give it a try. Give it a try. Like that idiotic thing I, I, I saw. It was almost like an advertising for Coke. Only it says, try Jesus. You don't try Jesus. It's a commitment. And a commitment to praying the will of God be done is not giving it a try. It is. We zero in on this and we're not leaving this in prayer till we see it actually done. You know, I think we might have another week on this because... Well, I think about it. But right now, have I given you enough that can further infuse your prayer with the designs and ways of God? I pray it be so. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he open the eyes of your understanding to the incredible, unbounded will of love to be expressed in you and through you in all the days of your life. So I declare you blessed. So I declare you healed and made whole through this name of Jesus. Amen.